0: and am the author of Soil Sisters, a toolkit for women farmers. The In Her Boots podcast celebrates the collaborative spirit of us women farmers and all women working to transform our food system and steward our land, sharing ideas and inspiration with each other. Whether you're a woman with a dream of starting your own farm or already have your hands deep in the soil, there's something for you here. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss anything. Come sit around the kitchen table with Joyce Ford of Blue Fruit Farm in Winona, Minnesota, as she shares advice and tips, particularly for beginning women farmers. Experiment small before you go big and take on debt. Grow things you're passionate about and sometimes keep some of the best of the harvest and enjoy it yourself. Hear about how Wisconsin Talk Radio can help you eliminate your badger problem. Joyce and her husband, Jim Riddle, have served as dedicated leaders and contributors to the growth of and opportunities for organic farmers. Joyce has trained organic inspectors and set standards for organic inspection around the world through founding the Organic Inspectors Association, served on the Moses Board, launched farmers markets, and has led the establishment of various organic standards, training, and policy. We are here with Joyce Ford on her Blue Fruit Farm outside Winona, Minnesota. Thanks so much, Joyce, for letting us stop by your beautiful home you and Jim built here. This is so cozy. I'm I'm moving right in. Uh, and you have been here for decades now and have racked up a lot of experiences, a lot of stories, a lot of advice. And I'd love to Hear from you some nuggets for beginning women farmers, because that's in particular, as we saw at the Boots Workshop here yesterday, women who are attracted and come, and we want them to come to our events. But we're looking at it from a different lens in that it's easy to see something you and Jim have created here that's successful and operating and it didn't happen overnight, right?
1: <laughs> no, it didn't happen overnight. And, you know, I, I really appreciated all the women that came yesterday because it there were so many young women particularly. And uh, that's where our food is going to be coming from. And I'm just so excited that there are so many young people that want to grow real food. Um, that is what we need for food security in the United States. And um, I'm very happy to be a part of of, of helping them, you know, realize their dreams Um, So what's some nuggets of
0: advice you'd give beginning women farmers as far as strategies and how you've creatively solved a lot of problems, it sounds like, over the years?
1: Well, I think that um, one of the things we've done is to uh, kind of experiment a little bit in a small way. Uh, before you go into it in a big way, oh sure, or, um, or go into debt, right? <laughs> or go into debt. Uh, I've been, you know, um, we didn't have a lot of money. I mean, we we figured we made about twenty five cents an hour when we were farming vegetables back in the nineteen eighties. So <laughs> a wasn't, wasn't, a, wasn't a depressing calculation. I money, hear you, yeah. Market, but um, you know, at the same time. Um, you don't want to get into a lot of debt. And so if you, like all of our machinery, we had, we've had got a transplanter that was sitting over in a, f- a farm over in Wisconsin, over in Newton Valley, where um, George Seaman and or Harmony Valley Gardens is. Um, and so the, you can often find used machinery um, um, out there. And don't be afraid to use it. It still works. We had a potato uh, planter and a potato digger that looked rather ancient. <laughs> <laughs> They, they did work fairly really well for what, I mean, we were growing about 12,000 pounds of potatoes a year. So we really needed uh, sure. some kind of a, a mechanical digger. And it didn't really injure the potatoes too much. So I would say, you know, try to grow things that you are passionate about, that you like to grow, um, and that you have equipment for, that you don't have to put out big expenditures in order to do something like, you know, um, that... Um, you know, to grow the things that, yeah. that you can do easily. And I say,
0: bottom line, grow things you like to eat yourself, because bottom line, that's where it may end up being. That's right. Which is why
1: any of us could live on a fruit farm, a blue fruit farm like yours. It's all I, good stuff. I used to always, um, you know, take the best things to the farmer's market, the, the best, you know, peppers or the red peppers that came in early. and. You know, you have you have a tendency to because you need the money that that's what you want to sell. But sometimes just take that best fruit for yourself too. <laughs> I think something else. Well I would
0: deserved. Say. Well deserved.
1: Um, another another piece of advice I would do uh, would say um, is just be. Uh, I mean, nowadays, it's so easy to do research and to get information back in the, once again, back when the organic farmers were in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, we we had to rely on on talking to each other to find out what what worked and what didn't work. Nowadays, you can, there's e organic, ex, you know, extension that has advice. There's ATRA, uh, NCAT, there's MOSES, you know, uh, there's a MOSES conference. Um, and there's other organic farmer field days and things. So there's just a, a wealth of experience out there. Um, and so take advantage of those kinds of, of, of educational opportunities early on uh, to see what has worked for other people. You have to balance the, what your land is. Your land is very different from any other farm, and it, things may grow there or may not grow there that you have to look at. That's, that's, that's a consideration um, and, um, look at the local markets of how you're going to be marketing Grow things that you can market and, and work with your markets to build them as you are building your business. Um, I don't know how many times people call here and they'll say something like, well, I have 1500 pounds of this. What am I going to do with it? You know? Oh,
0: so now right. having a market. So, always have a market before you grow something. Yes.
1: Well, you don't as always you have can. to have it before, but be working on your markets, uh, be having, have a plan for your markets, Interesting. You know, Sure, sure. of, you know, don't wait to the last minute to your, to your mark, you know, and try to balance how much you're growing of any one thing with the type of market where you're selling. If you have a CSA in a farmer's market, then try to plant a little bit at a time and have successive plantings. But if you're going to have a, a wholesale market that needs a lot, then that would, and it's a one-time deal, then, and you want to make one delivery, then that's a different different thing. Um, so keep
0: tweaking. Keep
1: tweaking. Yes, as you as you grow, right? Um, and like we did a little bit of experimenting with blueberries because we thought we were going to have a hard time growing blueberries. Our pH here is six point eight to point about point two. 7.2. So. Um, You know, we did some research on what kinds of things might help acidify the soil. Um, The rainwater is always going to be a higher pH than we want, and our irrigation water is rainwater or well water. So we have to do things uh, to acidify the plants um, on a basically annual basis. So I monitor twice a year with with a, a pH meter. Don't be afraid to do research on your farm and be curious and and get the tools that you need to do that research and take time to do it. It helps you make management decisions down the road and helps you have the confidence to know what you're doing and uh, that it is working. and, and that I, So that's something else I guess I would say. So
0: keep records to it. keeping the the records helps you understand
1: uh what's working and what's not working And, and and weather records can be important too we keep rain records uh rainfall records because we like to get about an inch of rain at least once every two weeks if not every week and if you don't get that one inch of rain particularly the blueberries will need irrigation uh the other um Fruits that we're growing, aronia and black currants, and the elderberries—they do pretty well. They have deep roots, but the blueberries are very shallow-rooted plants, like in the top, basically four to six inches. So their soil has a tendency to dry out. And it sounds like you two do your fair share of
0: creative experimentation here, sometimes for solutions. I heard you had a good example with a nasty badger.
1: Yes, we we were uh, we built a shed inside our field and. Um, we had an animal that just dug a huge hole and was (laughs) digging up this dirt and throwing it all over the place. And we didn't know what it was. It looks like it was a bigger hole than a groundhog would have. And uh, we had uh, a party and uh, Ed Lagasse, a US fish and wildlife ranger was visiting. And we we said, Ed, come up to our field. We want to show you this and you can tell us what's happening, what's (laughs) going on here. And he said, oh, right away, he said, oh, that's a badger. He said, you can smoke that out. You can, you know, flush water in there and shoot them when they come out. He said, or you can turn your radio on. Ah! And um, what we said, (laughs) you know, what's all this about? He said, well, badgers don't like uh, the human voice. So we did. We had radio up there. We turned it on, and um, we have it on 24 hours a day, just at a normal talking voice. We have actually talk radio. Talk radio. (laughs) We have University of Wisconsin. We have uh, Wisconsin Talk Radio uh, because it was a badger. Oh yeah, of course. That's (laughs) very that's very thoughtful of you. And um, and within a week, those the badger family was gone. We've never seen them since. Go figure. And it just spoke to me about how. there are always solutions to the problems that you have and there's great organic solutions. I love farming organically because it's a management kind of farming. You don't wait till you have a crisis. You look for ways to prevent problems. So you identify your problem and then you look what are what are other people doing? What does the internet say? You know what do the books say that you might have? you know I have a ton of books around here with a variety of topics. And if I, I haven't maybe read the whole book, but when I want to look something up, it's right there. I have a, a number of, of uh, insect identification books. Um, so I, I do the research. I have actually formed what I call pesticide or pest management action plans, where I uh, have the, the, the goals that I want for the pests, and then I have management strategies. I've identified which goal it leads to. And um, have records to show that I'm managing those. I'm doing those activities. Um, If you know whether it's plum cucurios, and I have tedder traps or pyramid traps and trunk traps, and then we planted garlic. Uh, We used we did some um, sprays at one point in time. I uh, we did not want to use surround, which is a clay based. a clay-based spray. I'd rather do management strategies and have to spray something. Spraying uh, is costly, and um, I mean those products cost a lot of money. And plus, it, it's also the a time that you are are doing that. Right. So. Um, so when you're talking about organic solutions to things,
0: I, one thing I find so inspiring about your and Jim' work is you take that out of the field, <laughs> in the sense of if there's needs in the organic community from an organizational standpoint or educational, whatever it may be, you step to the plate and create it. I mean, right now, the new Organic Farmers Association that you're involved the, with starting is exactly that, right? Or example right. of that. I would
1: say that was an interesting thing because some other really longtime organic farmers got this started. We hadn't actually heard about it, but then we got a survey and we thought, well, what's going on? And it was just a year or so into the development of an organization. It was still at the organizing committee level. And, uh, and so Jim made some phone calls and found out what it was. And he says, oh, I definitely, we definitely want to be involved in this because we've long seen the need for organic farmers to have a voice, especially at the national level. Um, there's the Organic Trade Association for Processors and, and Business and the Organic Consumers Association, but the organic farmers have never really had a united mm. voice. And so it's it's extremely important when we get to the Farm Bill, uh, They, your legislators, your representatives, and your senators want to hear what organic farmers want in the Farm Bill, and we can use a united voice to identify Um, the points that, you know, the issues, the research money or the transition farming money and with any number of different initiatives that we'd like to see in the farm bills. So um, Jim got on the steering or on the organizing committee and then I volunteered as well. He is now um, chairing the steering committee, I think. (laughs) I think that's where it's at now. And it is a collaborative effort now with the Rodale Institute who was also seeing that same need and was getting something started, but now they've joined their forces together. So they're in but you're the... you pr- bringing different partners together with similar visions right. to create something. So what
0: advice would you, on that note, give to a beginning farmer who probably is feeling busy and overwhelmed, and what do you mean I need to change the world at the same time?
1: <laughs> I think staying informed is one thing, um, and it's so much easier to stay informed. So if you like a particular organization, you know, get on their you know, newswatch or their, you know, minute uh, information or, and, and be informed pesticide beyond pesticides is, a, is an amazing organization that I truly love. And the work that they do is fabulous. And um, so um, I would say just as one thing is just be informed, because then when you're at the farmer's market, or you're talking with somebody, you can express on a one to one basis with anybody. Sure. Another level that's very simple is just writing a letter to the editor, and um, it's amazing. I mean, Jim and I have, Jim's written more letters, but I mean, it's amazing how how effective they can be. Um, running for office is a bigger step, but there's planning uh, commissions, there's, um, um, you know, soil and water conservation districts, right. FSA, Farm uh, Service Agency committees that people can serve on, all those groups need organic farmers point of view uh and and, Jim, and particularly women too and right particularly now our, women Our right. fsa
0: county committees in wisconsin i don't think it's much different in minnesota 15 percent are
1: women and you actually can get paid for that yeah. my actually one of my first things was the or, organic organic growers and buyers association needed a woman they were looking for a rural woman to be on their board and I couldn't actually afford to even drive up to the Twin Cities at that point. So Land Stewardship Project actually paid my mileage for me to do that. And, right. and that was my kind of my entry into being more of an uh, involved with organizations. Well, you have to ask and see what resources are out there. Right. That's great. You've served on the Moses Board to a. For, for two terms and yeah. served as the board president or chair, I think it is. Um, and I've also served on the steering committee for the uh, Minnesota Food Charter, helping develop a food charter. That was very interesting. I was definitely at the more radical side of, of the group, but I brought a, a voice that they all appreciated and we were all very respectful. And we managed to get, you know, some organic initiatives into the food charter as well. Um, Jim has been on the National Organic Standards Board. Um, We both organized the Winona Farmers Market. We both were involved for many years in the International Inspectors Association. Um, We both have also been involved in the International Organic Accreditation Service, which is an accrediting nonprofit body, um, international one. But the local committees are great. I, I served on the environmental health at the county level. and and the health department. Um, And I got on that board because I was at the farmer's market and I saw somebody spraying a pesticide in the cracks uh, of the of the the ground of the pavement at the farmers market market. nice and i was like incensed and so i just had to get on this board so that i could have a say on not using that pesticide anymore at the farmers market sure oh that's so inspiring (laughs) it's just it's just a part of what you do right right right
0: excellent thank you joyce thanks for listening to our in her boots podcast i'm your host lisa kiverist with the moses in her boots project This episode's audio engineer was Liam Kivrist of techsocket.net. The podcast was brought to you by the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, MOSES. The mission of MOSES is to educate, inspire, and empower farmers to thrive in a sustainable organic system of agriculture. For more information on MOSES, in her boots, and a bounty of organic resources, check out mosesorganic.org.